Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. This is a place to get equipped to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So get ready to be empowered by this message. I want to remind you of a tongue and interpretation we received back in August. You know, when we have these things, prophecies, tongue and interpretation, we write them down and we reflect on them. It's not just for that Sunday. You need to think about them. So I'm going to remind you of this one. And here's, I gave the tongue, Anthony up here interpreted, and here's what he said. My disciples were in the last hour. You were in the last seconds. Do not be afraid. Be bold and go out. The harvest is near. Call all that you can to God. Anybody remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And then Beth gave us a word from the Lord. She said, I own you. She didn't say that. The Lord said, I own you. (laughs) Don't worry. Beth does not think that she owns you. All right. I own you, you are mine, you belong to me, and nothing can come against you. I bled for you, I died for you, and you are mine, says the Lord. Nobody takes anything from me. I have you in my hands. Nothing can come against you. Anybody want to take that promise? Nothing can come against you. I own you, you are mine, and you belong to me. And this transition to Beth having a face-to-face encounter with the Lord, and she kept asking, what do you want, Lord, what do you want? And the answer came to me in a vision And what I saw was a massive dust cloud heading our way, and it reminded me of those pictures you see of the 1930s Dust Bowl, only it wasn't dirt, it was gold dust rushing towards us. And in the natural, you know what you would do if you saw a dust storm rushing towards you, you'd go inside and hide, right? But pay attention to what the Lord said about this vision. He said, there's great provision for my people. I need you to receive it and not reject it. You are the ones I can trust with it because your hearts are pure and your motives are right, and you will know exactly what you need to do with it. So what does the Lord want from us? He wants us to receive his miraculous provision and not run from it. And the next day I asked the Lord, I said, hey, where is this provision going to come from? I'm a business guy, so I mean, that's the method that I default to. And here we are several months later, and I've realized that God is using business as one of the methods for this wealth transfer. But it's not the only method that he's using. But before I explain the other way God transfers wealth, Chris, I want you to go ahead and come up here and share with us what's happened in your business uh, since we had that prophecy, that tongue and interpretation back in August, because this is incredible. Yeah, that is. I mean, August is when it all started, honestly. So that is pretty crazy. Uh, And I'm glad you were talking about be patient, because if you could just be patient with me, I am so stinking busy. I probably work like 70 hours. Last week, and I'm tired, so I might muddle through some stuff. I don't know. We'll see. But And I'm not bragging about that. I don't want to work 70 hours a week. Okay, that's not my goal. <laughs> uh, that's just where I am right now because business has exploded, and I'm just trying to figure out how to handle it right now. Amen. Yeah, it's a good problem to have. Uh, I know, right? She makes a joke, but it's serious. Like I, I came out of Quick Trip years and years and years ago, and... Uh, this, I guess it would have been like 2010, and some guy, he was he just seemed like a crazy drug addict. It almost did seem like he was demon-possessed, but he called me out. He said, he just looked at me and just started laughing and say, millionaire, millionaire. And I was like, you know, because there was those, uh, the fortune teller people that would follow Paul and them around, and they would claim things of God. And I was like, you know, that guy might be demon-possessed, but he could also see something. So I was like, I will take, I will take that, you know. You know, I want to add to that, too, yeah. is I don't remember if it happened before or after this tongue and interpretation, but somebody came up to me after church. I don't even remember who it was because it was so impactful. I forgot everything but, like, what was said to me. And he said, there's, there's five pillars already here that are going to finance the work of this church. Who was it that said that? All right. Maybe you don't remember either. And he said, one of them is Chris Wills. 
And this was before his business had exploded. I've watched this guy struggle to get his business off the ground for years. And I was like, Chris, Chris Wills. Okay, I'll I'll take that. I'll believe it. Yeah. yeah. And then anyway, you're going to hear what happens now. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, Kate asked me yesterday to speak on this. But again, we were working. So I just wrote down some stuff this morning. I didn't have time to go over it. So I hope this all makes sense. But I really just kind of want to start in the beginning because it's all... I don't want just want this to be about how my business is successful because it all goes back to trusting God and relying on God, and that is the first. That, I mean, that's just the first step because it has been a long uh, journey, and so this is going to kind of unglamorize that whole entrepreneur start your own business uh, type <laughs> mindset because you know we have a tendency to be like, yeah, that sounds great, be your own boss. Well, it's not. It's not all fun, all right. <laughs> so let me break it down for you, okay? Because uh, this all goes all the way back from when I got out of the Marine Corps in, like, uh, early 2009. And I come back, me and my dad start a tile business because that's what he always did. So we laid floors. Uh, that worked for about a year, and the economy was just bad. So, uh, you know, we just dissolved the business, and I went to go work for my stepdad because he managed a steel shop, right? And I was probably only making, like, $12.50, I think is what they started me out, running a grinder all day, every day. That's all it is, running a, run a hand grinder. But at the time... My wife was going to the nursing school, and I always said, babe, I don't want you to have to work while you're going through school. I just want you to focus on your studies. And, but I was, I'm only making twelve fifty an hour, but we always had a nice home. We always had good food. We didn't have to live off ramen, and it was all, <laughs> you know, because that's what they make jokes about. I have to eat off ramen because it's so cheap. But we always ate good. We always had a nice house, and it was all just because I trusted God. I mean, we trusted God. We, we had tithe. We could tithe. And I, I seriously remember, we're like, okay, we're not making a lot of money right now. We need to sit down and just make a budget just so we can see our money. And that budget, it didn't pay for our, our utility. Like, it, it basically paid for utilities, and then, like, you look, start looking at gas and food and everything else, and there was nothing there. So I was like, well, this isn't going to work. So so we just scrapped the budget and just, just lived. I don't know. It worked because that's God is good. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I cannot explain it, okay? Um, <laughs> yeah, the only way that we could have lived was because of God. And, and he has blessed us a lot. And a lot of times it is through family. Uh, we never asked for anything, but we never had to pay uh, school loans. Uh, yeah, yeah, we got Gene through school. We don't, we don't have any loans on that. And that's it's just amazing. That was our plan the whole time, even when I was working. I was like, I'll, I'll work hard so we don't have to get loans for school because we didn't want to have that over our heads. Uh, so let's fast forward about five years. I'd been working at that steel company and I'd, I'd moved up, you know, I'd went, I was a truck driver. Then I started running machines. Then I was in the office. I was basically doing all the managerial stuff, running QuickBooks, dealing with customers, taking quotes, drafting. I was basically doing everything at that point, but that was kind of, it was a small company that was basically as far as I was going to go. And the owner had no intention of growing the business because he, he was just ready to retire. He's like, I don't want to grow this business. We're done. And uh, he, he was just happy where it was. So I was like, well, there's no point in me staying if you don't want to make this bigger and give me some somewhere to go to. Uh, but they were just doing local work. So they were uh, it was cutting parts for local businesses. They had no interest in, like, art-type metal work. And so I thought, I just saw an opportunity because I always had the the uh, urge to start my own business. I always just wanted to run my own business. So I saw the, uh, just an opportunity. I said, well, I could do artwork and sell that on the side. So I just started an Etsy shop, uh, 
selling custom signs. I put some listings up. See, that's the beauty of, of custom signs. You don't have to make anything until you sell it. So you get the money ahead of time. So I put some listings up, and then I start running the machines in the evenings after work. I was paying for my material. I wasn't doing it on the clock, but they let me use the machines. And so I started just making money on the side for probably, I think it was probably a year, a year in it. And I kept all that money saved in a, in a separate bank account. And then I was like, hey, I got enough money. I'm going to buy my own machine. So that's what I did. I went bought my own machine. And again, God has been so good with like family because it helped so much. My mom and stepdad had a building uh, in their, they, they didn't need at their house. So it was just kind of sitting there. And I, they let me put my machine in there, which saved me rent. So again, so we're a year in. Uh, well, then I quit my job. And then I go start doing this full time. And again, I'm not taking any money at this point from the business. I'm putting it all back into the business. Because now finally, five years later, my wife has made it through nursing school. She does have a job. <laughs> so, yes, that's hard. That's awesome. I'm so glad she made it through there because I know about when she got her uh, associates, I know she was like, I should just quit for a year and, and go get a job. I was like, just go get your bachelor's because you're not going to go, not go back <laughs> once you quit. So I'm... Uh, so she got her bachelor's, and it's really worked out. But that's part of it, too. Like, she's always been on my side. Uh, she's always supported me, and she was also able to, to get a job while I started this business because it's, it is a long journey. Uh, you kind of have the same similar deal where when your wife is supporting the family, and you kind of feel bad, but you know at the same time that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Oddly, I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> I don't know how to t- uh, It's weird. Uh, so she's she's a nurse. I got this going, and I did that for about two years. And then uh, I was like, well, I'm going to grow. So I, I saved up that money. I went and bought a powder. I was able to buy out a little powder coat business because that was my next step in my process, which is sort of like painting, if you know what powder coating is. So I could paint my own signs, and that was just one more thing I had control of. So at this point, start to finish, I was doing everything with my products. Uh, but the problem was the little building my parents let me use was not big enough for the powder coat unit, so I had it in vertigris, so I was running by myself to two different shops to try to, I mean, you'll run yourself to death, okay? <laughs> Be, being a, I'm, like I said, I'm going to kind of unglamorize some of this, you, I want to start my own business stuff, because it'll wear you down. Uh, and let me, let me get here, yeah, so finally, I was like, I got where I was making enough. I said, I just need to rent my own building big enough for all of my equipment, which is what I did. I hired Mason. Mason started working for me. Yes, Mason's awesome. Two days a week. He was working for K3 at the time. And we ran that way for a couple couple years, probably two and a half years or something. And uh, But 2020, 2020 was a pretty good year for me. And then I also remodeled the house, though, so I was really... I was doing way, I was doing too many things in 2020, but 2020 really slowed down, right? Uh, and I was like, I got to do something different. And I always wanted an outdoor company, but it never made sense because all my outdoor ideas, I had a lot of ideas for for hunters and and stuff, but uh, I didn't really have the means to make those products, so I just kind of dismissed it. I'm like, I don't need to start an outdoor company. I mean, that's one more. I mean, I'm I'm sure I burnt my wife out because as an entrepreneur you're constantly thinking of new things. It's like you have to like pull yourself back and go, no, I need to focus on one thing. But because you're just constantly bound. I mean, I tried, well, I'd ordered product from, from China to private label stuff and sell on Amazon. Like, so this whole time I'm doing other stuff too. Like I'm not, I have that ping pong, right? You're just trying to, there's a good idea. Uh, 
anyway, anyway, so we get the, I'm over here working now. I start the, I wanted to start an outdoor company. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to do it. So I started a new brand and I know when I started it, my wife was like, oh, cool. Another new thing. That's, <laughs> that'll work out like the last eight you just did. Uh, but, <laughs> but no, she supported me, but I know I'm, I just imagine those are probably her thoughts in her head. Okay, babe. Go for it. Uh, <laughs> and so, but I could create this little product with my machine, uh, but it was it's just a little bitty oval thing for hunters to hang their deer mounts with. And I was like, well, I can do this, so I'm just going to do just add this to my business, right? I'm just going to add it on. It's going to be an add-on, another way to get money coming in. So I start that company, and I start running ads in August. Well, it was at the very end of July. It was like July 28th or something I start running ads. In August, man, it just, uh, it takes off. Like, I made more sales in August. I think that was my best month ever. Like, the whole whole entire time I had my business, August was my best month ever with this new little product I was selling. And I was like, wow, this is pretty wild. I'm selling this many of these. Uh, But by the end of that month, well, the beginning of that month, right, my machines are running harder than they've ever ran. So a board goes out on the controller on my CNC plasma machine, and, uh, but as a business owner, you don't have money just to pay everybody to come fix stuff. So you're like, okay, I guess I'm a small electronics repairman today. Uh, that's, that's how you do it. So I had to get, actually, I drove to Kansas because I was behind on orders. Like, we, well, we were just falling back on orders. I was slowly keeping up. So I had to drive to Kansas, get the new board, come back, put it in, run to just about caught up. And then a, board, a different little motor board burns out on my machine. So I overnight it. I fix it. I get it going again. And anyway, by the end of that month, like I said, I, it was a really good month in sales, but I had spent, I broke even again because all that money went right back into the, right into the business. Also, because I'm not used to high volume sales. Now I'm having to stock like tons of boxes and screws and wall anchors and metal. And so there's a lot more inventory. You got to get ahead of the game. Uh, so anyway, break even in August, but it's still super exciting because I made so many sales. September comes around, boom, it's like rocking it again. It's doing way even better because I figured out my ads. I'd also spent a lot of money in ad spend because you have to, to know what's going to work. So September comes around, I'm still, um, making more sales now, but then there's a fire in my shop, right? (laughs) Burns up a little bit of, of electrical, but, uh, the big problem was the fire department came out and then they're, they just basically shut me down for a week. And they said, well, you can't operate until we come out and in- inspect your whole shop. Uh, yeah, that was unfortunate. <laughs> but they finally come out. Uh, they let me operate. They gave me like a two months. Like, hey, you can operate for two months. But they also gave me like, I don't know, probably $8,000 worth of stuff they wanted me to do in my shop. That, And I was like, okay, keep moving forward. Again, entrepreneur run your own business. You better have a lot of perseverance because you need it, right? <laughs> <laughs> If you can keep, you just have to keep a good attitude. All right. I hope, I hope my workers can tell you that through everything, I've always tried to keep a good attitude. I always try to keep, uh, just be happy because, you know, we rejoice in the Lord. It's, and, and again, Cade reminded me this morning, which I need reminded of. I know it, but I need reminded of it. And that is, we are not, I do own the business. I am just a steward of God's business. And, and once you, because you can get overwhelmed and you can get worried and stressed out, but it's like, you know what? This is God's anyway. So. He'll, he'll work it all out. And then by that point, I was able to hire Drake. So give a hand for Drake, too. He's awesome. He works for me in the evenings. And uh, 
so he was working in the evenings, and then I was still making a lot. Well, that yep, the fire marshal, I got all that ironed out. I got had to redo some electrical. We got going back in business, going good again. Again, made more sales in September than I even did in August, but it was all out the door again because <laughs> everything that happened, right? Well, so now it's October, sales. I finally got my ads figured out, so I crank up my ad spend a little bit, and I just let it roll through October. October did really well. Uh, my nephew started coming and started packaging for me, and uh, and now I'm just trying to focus on... Actually, I, I got so many different product ideas, and I want to focus on more business stuff, but I can't because I have to be in the shop working more. And Yeah, so it gets crazy. And then so at the end of October, I just crank up my ad spend a little bit more, and then November... Like, everything went through the roof. So August, September, and October were my best months I've ever had, right? In November, I sold just as I had just as many sales in November as I did those three months combined. Uh, and this, that's God. That's, that's, that is how good he is. But in this month, uh, I mean, I've hit record sales, sales days this month already. I imagine this, this month's going to be even better. And I quit touching my ad spend because I can't keep up with it. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not increasing ads because I can't keep up with it. And then I just was able to hire Gary full-time. Yes, he's, he's a rock star already. He's a lifesaver. You know, I have not told Gary this uh, yet, so he's hearing it for the first time right now. But uh, God, like, showed me that he was going to come work for me, uh, like, months. We've been months ago, probably about when we first met. And, uh, like, I, I didn't really know if that was a real word from God. I just, you know, I was just talking to him. I'm like, man, I really want him to come work for me. I want him to be my shop foreman. And I told my wife about it, like, I don't know, four, three, four weeks probably before I hired Gary. I was like, man, I really want Gary to come be my shop foreman. I just, he just feels like he would, it fits. So I don't know, I can't explain it. But I was like, there's no way. It didn't make sense in the natural. I'm like, there's no way. Because he's, work, he's working for a good company that pays him good money. And there's no way I can offer him anything. Uh, and then, you know, I get I saw that t- he texted the men's group and said, "Hey, I was let go. Uh, can you, can y'all pray for me?" And I was like, "God, this is you." I mean, uh, I'm, <laughs> I was like, Gary doesn't even know it, but this is you. You're like planning this whole thing out. It's crazy. Uh, so so I just sent him a text said, "Hey, you want to meet in the morning? We'll talk about it." But he's been uh, a godsend already because like he was there with me every day last week working. We probably worked seventy hours. I would imagine at least last week, and and he was always. I told him, I said, I don't expect that from you, man. You you just can do your eight hours and go home. And he said, if you're here, I'm going to be here because I just feel like I need to be here. So he's been been a real big lifesaver. But but God put all that together. See, so now we're like a week behind on orders, right? So now I'm having to fill all these. It, it just it snowballs because now you're getting emails like, hey, where's more order? I'm like, I'm trying to start as I can. All right. Uh, so I am looking for some part-time help probably through the holiday. So if anybody <laughs> needs any holiday job, that's right. Uh, but that's how good God is. And that's why I have to sit back when I start to get overwhelmed. Like, I don't know if I can handle this. And it's like, well, God's obviously putting it together. I mean, he showed me Gary was coming. It's like, you, you, you know, his hand is in it. So you have to be able to just sit back and go, okay, God, what do I do? How do I how do I handle all this? Because I need help. I can't, I can't do this on my own. And that's when it comes back to trusting God. Because even as good as my business is doing now, I guarantee you, if it all fell through next week, it all tanks, it all, I have to let everybody go, which, I mean, that's not my plan. I don't want to have to do that. Uh, like my, my trust is in God, because that's the only way I've lived. I mean, the, you, when you have a business for five years, and, it's, and you're just 
struggling to make ends meet with it. You kind of get used to just relying on God for everything anyway. So, uh, so that's what it's about. It's about just relying on him. And then when you get that blessing, you've got to remember that blessing isn't just for you. He does want us to, to take that. I mean, he doesn't want us to have to live poor, but that blessing is for others. And that's why, you know, we were able to like give to the Guardian Academy, you know, that, like a bigger gift than we usually get to give. And that was back when sales were just starting to go up. I was like, you know what? I can see this thing exploding. We're just going to give an offering right now. And that's when we gave into the, the Guardian Academy right before everything just exploded because I want God to know, like, I don't, this money is yours. If you want me to give it all away, just tell me that. I'll give it all away because, again, we're stewards with his money, what we're supposed to do with it. But, but that's God. He's amazing. And there is a, it's coming. I, I believe there's more people. It's not just, it's not just my business. That's, but that's kind of what's happened with my business over the past, since August. <laughs> that's good. Funny. So, So give them some scales. So you're selling these little hooks that you hang deer heads on. How many units did you sell last month? Last month? In November. Uh, How many of those little doodads did you sell? uh, Last time I looked, I'd sold about 13,000 since August. Half of that would have been November, but that wasn't even... I probably sold 8,000 of them last month. Would be my so you sold thirteen thousand total? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, last time I looked, yeah. I haven't like taken the time to yeah. to count it up. So many I can't count them. I'm selling about three hundred yeah. a day. So that you know you don't right now. Yeah. I'm selling about three hundred a day, and and that doesn't count bigger ones. I also make bigger ones in different styles, but these little ones are just yeah. That's awesome. It is. Thanks, That's man. Great. Yeah, you bet. Who else wants to be a vehicle God uses for this end-time wealth transfer? Any, anybody in the room? I'm going to help you get there today. So, yes, God's going to use business, as we just saw, but he also has other ways to transfer wealth as well. And I want to review just real quick. Give me 10 more minutes. I know Chris took way longer than he should have. <coughs> he didn't hear me. I said give me 10 more minutes because I know Chris took way longer than he should have, but... It'll be worth it, I'll tell you that. So real quick, let's review what uh, happened whenever the Israelites left Egypt. It's found in Exodus, and I will cause the Egyptians to look favorably on you. They'll give you gifts when you go, and you will not leave empty-handed. Every Israelite woman will ask for articles of silver and gold and fine clothing from her Egyptian neighbors and from foreign women. You will dress your sons and daughters with these, stripping the Egyptians of their wealth. So in this scripture, God is prophesying through Moses. He's giving the Israelites a heads up so they'll receive the wealth transfer instead of rejecting it. I mean, can you imagine being in their shoes? They'd been slaves in Egypt forever. The generation that was alive at the time, they had only known slavery. And then suddenly the people who kept them in slavery were just going to hand over their wealth. I mean, if God didn't tell them ahead of time, they would have rejected it. They would have said, oh, no, you're up to something. I ain't ain't doing that. But when it actually happened, they received the wealth because God gave them a heads up. Hey, it's coming. And he's going to do it again. God's going to cause the ungodly to look favorably on us, and they will give us their wealth. And yes, it'll be perplexing, but God told you ahead of time so that you'll receive it. Just like it says in Psalms, for those of you who think this is crazy, I can prove it to you in scripture in many places. Psalms 105, he gave his people the lands of pagan nations and they harvested crops that others had planted. Wow. Here's another confirmation, Ecclesiastes 2. If a sinner becomes wealthy, God takes that wealth away and gives it to those who please him. And the third confirmation, Proverbs chapter 13, 22, the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. 
So the purpose of this wealth, though, is so that we can accomplish God's plan on the earth before the tribulation comes. If you're thinking about how you're going to spend this wealth on yourself, the wealth isn't coming to you. This is only for those who are focused on advancing the kingdom of God. But it's not too late to make the corrections needed so that you can receive the wealth. You can make corrections today and position yourself to be ready. And that's why I'm giving you two things, blocking godly wealth, so that you can get them out of the way today. So let's turn to James to give it to us straight. If you're the type of person who likes a good stern rebuke when you're wrong, I mean, James has got you covered. Just go read it. So James chapter 5, verse 1, look here, you rich people, weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away and your clothes are moth-eaten rags, your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. The corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. Thanks, James. Yeah. So many well-meaning Christians read this scripture and they conclude that God wants us to live in poverty. But that conclusion is foolish. Like, it is foolish. It doesn't align with the rest of the Bible. Here's a few scriptures for you. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God will generously provide all you need. And then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get what? Wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That doesn't sound like somebody who's tied up in poverty to me. But the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. I could go on, but if you look to the full counsel of God's word, you're going to find that his desire is for his people to live in wealth. And the wealth he gives comes without trouble. There is no sorrow added to it. It's amazing. So many people misunderstand scripture because they rush over it. And they don't take time to understand what's really being said. To get it right, we got to what? Stop and reflect. So who is James talking about in that crazy scripture that we just read? Everyone who has wealth? Is that who he's talking about? No. He is rebuking those who have an ungodly relationship with wealth. Let me show you. The very wealth you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This reveals the first thing that blocks godly wealth. Trusting in money blocks godly wealth. So how do you know if you're trusting in money? It's about to get really uncomfortable in here. If you refuse to take one day each week to rest from your work, also known as Sabbath, you're probably trusting in money. If God asks you to do something that drains your savings account, or for my Dave Ramsey people in the room, your emergency fund... and you don't do it, you're trusting in money. If you stay at your job for the paycheck, but you know deep down it's not where you're supposed to be, you're trusting in money. If you don't give the first 10% of your income to God, also known as the tithe, you're trusting in money. I told you, it's going to get uncomfortable. But I'm willing to make you uncomfortable because you need to get these wealth blockers out of the way so that you can be blessed. The body of Christ is counting on you to position yourself to be ready to receive this wealth transfer. 
We need resources to accomplish God's plan on the earth. For example, God's leading us to start this one-room schoolhouse called Guardian Academy. It's going to take an annual budget of at least $250,000, and we need $2 million to acquire the building that's just sitting over there on 106th Street waiting for us to buy it. It's just sitting there waiting for us. How are we going to pull this off? Because you and I are going to position ourselves to receive this wealth. We're going to stop blocking it by getting these things out of the way. So if you want to remove these wealth blockers, you have to take action. I'm stirring up your faith today, but faith without works is dead. So here are some things you can do to eliminate this first one. If you don't tithe, start now. Just do it. Every time you get paid, give the first 10% of your income to God. If you don't honor the Sabbath, start now. Pick one day each week that you turn off your phone and just forget about business and focus on God and family. That shows God that you trust him. I can leave my business with you for one day each week and trust that you'll watch it. If God asks, it's not my business anyway, right? It's his. If God asks you to do something that drains your emergency fund, your savings account, do it as soon as possible. Like, don't wait any longer. Just get out there and do it. If you're holding on to a job for the paycheck only, start applying for new jobs today and trust God to reveal the place that you need to be. I'm not saying that you should quit today. Don't hear that. Don't be foolish. Start applying for new jobs today and trust God to reveal where you're supposed to be. And whenever you find that out, then you can quit the job. Are we all on the same page with that? Aren't you glad you came to church today? <clears throat> Let me seal this with a scripture from the book of wisdom. Proverbs chapter eleven twenty eight. Trust in money and down you go. But the godly flourish like leaves in spring. Listen, if you don't deal with this, the wealth that's been prophesied is going to pass right over you. Godly wealth does not come to those who trust in money. And since that one was so fun, I got another for you. Back to James. He also said, the corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. So a wrong relationship with money will not only destroy this life, but you're going to have to answer for it on judgment day. Doesn't that sound like a lot of fun? Let that be your motivation to fix these things today, including this second blocker to godly wealth. Storing money blocks godly wealth. And this is a tough one to wrap our minds around because it's ingrained in us to stash money away in a savings account for a rainy day. Stash money away in your 401k. Just stash money away. Just stash it away. Everyone tells us that this is wisdom. But is it godly wisdom or is it human wisdom? Let's ask Jesus. He'll tell us. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moss and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Because wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Uh-oh, once again, Jesus is bucking culture. He just kind of tends to do that. So who are we going to follow? I mean, for confirmation, though, let's look at what's written in the Old Testament about storing money. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 13. There's another serious problem I have seen under the sun. Hoarding riches harms the saver. Money is put into risky investments to turn sour and everything is lost. And in the end, there is nothing left to pass to one's children. We all come in, all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty handed as the day we were born. We can't take our riches with us. Thanks for the encouragement. So if you store your money, you'll have it for a little while, but eventually something comes and takes it all away. So all that money that could have been used to advance God's kingdom over the years that we were storing it up, 
and then it was stolen by the enemy. That's what happens when we store money. I told you, that's a tough one, isn't it, to wrap your minds around? I mean, I'm kind of a saver, so this one's just like, Lord's like, spend your emergency fund. It's like, oh, no, Dave Ramsey said that I can't. (laughs) Isn't he your servant? (laughs) Doesn't he speak all truth and know everything about money? I'm still working that one out. Something the Lord asked us to do recently, drain my emergency fund that I've had for years and years and years. Interestingly, it always sat there, and I never used it. I never, (laughs) the provision was always there to handle anything that came up, so I don't even know why I had a problem with that, but those things die hard. So, do we follow Jesus on this one or the wisdom of man? Because here's the deal. If we store up money like the world tells us to, the wealth transfer that's been prophesied is going to pass right over you. Godly wealth does not come to those who store up money for themselves. So how do you put action to this one? Just give your whole emergency fund to the church today. No, I'm just playing. (laughs) I know some of y'all were waiting for that, so I just gave it to you. And for clarity, no, that's not what I'm thinking up here. I just thought it would be funny. But how do you get this blocker of godly wealth out of the way? I'm going to leave that one up to you. You need to ask the Lord what you should do because sometimes for some of you, the Lord's going to say, I want you to save money for a time so that you have what it takes to start a business later on. And for some of you, he's going to say, that emergency fund is causing you problems. I want you to give it to this or whatever it is. So you got to listen. Ask the Lord what you should do. Let me recap this entire message in two sentences. Two things that make wealth ungodly, trusting in it and storing it up for yourself. Godly wealth is a free flow through you to fund the purposes of God. To end today, I just want to share a prophecy with you that the Lord gave me on August 31st of this year. Here's what he said. He said, expand your capacity to receive. Stop limiting with small thinking. Submit to the fact that you can't comprehend the amount of wealth available to you in Christ. You might as well take the cap off because I'm not capping it. It's a free flow, a rushing river, an endless supply. Don't try to contain it. Don't try to store it. Let it flow freely through you. Don't stop the flow by hanging on to it. Let it flow freely because there is always more to come. That word from the Lord wasn't just for me. It's for you too. So be diligent in getting rid of these two things that are blocking godly wealth. Stop trusting in money. It's going to let you down. And stop storing it up for yourself. Position yourself to receive the wealth transfer because, y'all, it's already begun. Man, that was good, wasn't it? Help us get God's word out to everyone who needs it by partnering with us financially. Your generous giving is what enables us to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Visit nolimits.fyi to give securely online. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a message. And thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.